Turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter uh, 22 and verse 23. Matthew chapter 22 and verse 23. And it uh, simply says, The same day came to him the Sadducees which say that there is no resurrection and asked him, saying, Master, Moses said, If a man die having no children, his brother shall marry his wife and raise up seed unto his brother. Now there were with us seven brethren, and the first when he had married a wife, deceased and having no issue, left his wife unto his brother. Likewise the second and the third, even unto the seventh, and last of all the woman died also. Therefore in the resurrection, whose wife shall she be of the seven? For they all had her. Jesus answered and said unto them, Ye do err, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. But as touching the resurrection of the dead, have you not read that which was spoken unto you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And when the multitude heard this, they were astonished at his doctrine. And I would like to preach for the next few minutes tonight that statement, God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. God bless you. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. A few years ago, I had the opportunity to know a a gentleman who ended up building a church, just like you all built this church, uh, in Memphis, Tennessee. His name was uh, Gene Jenkins. And uh, Mr. Jenkins at the time was not in the church, but in the process uh, of becoming a part of our building program, God opened up uh, the windows of heaven and saved him and uh, brought him into the full salvation uh, prior to building the church. And then we built the church and we had a, uh, a very excellent uh, saved man building our church just like you all had. And so... Uh, he had his crew there, and they worked on the building. One of the uh, members of his crew was his oldest son, whose name was Mike. And Mike was a, a big, uh, strong, powerful young man uh, who at that time was in his uh, uh, 20s, and he was a, uh, uh, an expert in pouring concrete and, and taking care of setting up all the forms for that, and he was excellent at concrete work, and he did all the concrete work for the, for the slab and for, uh, and for the parking lot and everything pertaining to that. And so we had the uh, opportunity to watch them in action. Mike was one of those uh, uh, young men that that didn't have much of a personality. He was, he was very introverted. Uh, if, you got a, if you got a half a smile out of him in a week, you were really doing something. Very little, very little in the way of communication. And uh, how many have ever known someone like that? And, and so you, you, you didn't know if he wanted you to say hello or not to say hello. You didn't know if he wanted you to say goodbye or not to say goodbye. <clears throat> and so, uh, as 
as time wore on, uh, he went through a divorce and, and remarried and uh, uh, he became kind of confused and several years passed. And, and then after several years, uh, his father had passed away and uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of about 15 years ago, I had the great joy of baptizing Mike in Jesus' name and watching him be filled with the Holy Ghost. When that happened, it changed his whole personality, changed his whole demeanor. Uh, he was smiling a lot. Uh, his eyes were wide open. He became expressive, and he would talk freely with people. And there was a marked difference between the introverted, cloistered individual that, that we had known and the man that came into the house of God uh, with a shine on his face and a big smile and a, and a praise the Lord. And, and he even got to where he would hug the people of the church. I, I, it was an amazing uh, turnaround. And it's, it's what God can do. It's what God can bring to pass. There are examples, I'm sure, of people like that here uh, who have seen remarkable changes in your life. And, and it's simply because uh, that there is um, the fact that in the Spirit of God is, a, is a, a very specific life force. Uh, it, it's, it's a life that comes directly from God. Uh, he is, of course, the giver of our natural life. Uh, in fact, if God did not give you your life and sustain your life, every day since you were born and took your first gulp of air, you would not be here tonight. But you are here tonight. You are alive tonight. And... Uh, uh, to God be the glory for the fact that he does, in fact, bring you to a place of continued life. And then he states in his word that he has come that you might have life and it more abundantly. And that word uh, abundant means uh, plenteous or bountiful or a. Uh, in just plain old English, a whole lot of. And so when you come in here uh, tonight, you step out of a world where you may have worked or done chores or went to school uh, or ran errands or whatever your daily activities may have been today, but you walked in here and then you'll walk back in here, the Lord willing, on Sunday, and you will shrug off uh, kind of the clamminess of being in a world that does not offer a, a lot of joy or inspiration, and you'll come into the abundant life dimension of the supernatural presence of God. And that abundant life dimension is filled with an electrifying jolt of something called joy. It's, there's something in him that brings about a divine love that sweeps over your soul and gives you a sensation and a feeling and an impact like nothing else in this world can do. And it's, it's, it's just such a great thing to know the Lord in that uh, in that aspect, to, to know him in that reality. He is so real to us. Now, uh, breath is life. Motion is life. Speech is a part of life. So that when uh, someone uh, passes from us, we are checking for those uh, signs or the, what they call vitals, which have to do with breath. 
and, and has, that has to do with the, the very matter of, of a pulse and circulated blood and movement and, and motion and, and speech and brain activity. These are all aspects of the life that God gives. So it's linked to the fact that he gives life. The Bible tells us uh, that the dead praise not God. They can't praise God. So that when God comes into your life as an individual, he comes in specifically to bring that powerful realm of life that only he can give. And so this statement is, is very dynamic. Uh, in which he states uh, th that I am not the God of the dead, but I am the God of the living. And uh, while you are alive and moving and walking and talking, he has come to give life in a way you've never experienced life before. There, there's, a, there's a life that flows from him and it's connected to the way that you react with him it's sometimes difficult to explain to people who are uh, perhaps coming out of traditional church settings where they don't do much praising of God it's it's more quiet and, and very solemn and very dormant and then you come into a place where people's mouths are open during the entire service and sounds and adjectives of adoration pour out of their mouth and speak out into the atmosphere and all of a sudden you see the onset of the visitation of God's presence on individual people and if it's your first time you can't figure out what's happening it's very simple what's happening he's coming to you as a specific individual to bathe you to bathe you with something you could never obtain on your own in this world I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly now there, there is a uh, there, there is a, a reality to uh, this thing that involves your praising God. Uh, many of you don't realize that you were born to praise and worship God. You were born to worship and praise God. Uh, you were not born to be a plumber. You weren't born to be an electrician. You weren't born to be an insurance salesman. You weren't born to be a businessman. You weren't born to, to just uh, take up some occupation. Uh, that's something you do to put food on the table and sustain your life and the life of your family. You were born in a core purpose of praising and worshiping God and bringing a delightsome relationship between you and your maker and your creator. And when you realize that and you begin to praise God in a service like we're in right now, Pentecost happens all over again. I was explaining to a gentleman the other day, he said, uh, well, what, I'm Baptist. He said, what's the difference between Baptist and, uh, and, and Pentecost? Uh, he said, I think I might want to come visit the, the church where, where you're ministering at. I said, uh, the difference is, is that uh, the, the, the good Baptist folks and the Presbyterians and the Lutherans and the Methodists uh, are stuck on the wrong side of Calvary and Pentecost. I said they, they just kind of view Calvary from a distance and they talk about it and uh, they pray about it and they ask God to touch their lives, uh, but then they never follow through with what John the Baptist uh, the Baptist, who was the John the baptizer, told them to do, which was go tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high from 
uh, this one that I am talking about. Go to him. He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Go to him. Go to him. Go to him. I said they, they didn't get that message and it's still speaking from the word of God. Go to him. Go to him. He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. I can give you what he can give you. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he will come after me and baptize you with that fiery life and glory that comes from above. Hallelujah. Jesus picked up that theme and said, get to Jerusalem, go to Jerusalem where you will receive power from on high. The power is coming from on high. And when that group of people arrived at Jerusalem, they begin to praise and worship God. And when they did that for several days, the heavens opened, the church was born, and there was an outpouring of glory that has not stopped until this day. Right now, all over the world, the Holy Ghost is being poured out upon churches, uh, Bible study groups, uh, prayer groups, uh, hallelujah, it, different denominational groups. Uh, you can't stop the flow, the movement, and the torrential river of the Holy Ghost and its mighty force to deliver the greatness of God into the human life. Now, I'm not, I'm not just talking about the church as a, as a collective group. I'm talking about you as individuals. It's an individual baptizing. Don't, don't sit there and say, well, yeah, other people will get that, but I'm, I'm sure it's not for me. It absolutely is for you. It is for you. It is for you. Hallelujah. It's a powerful thing. And, and it has the ability to, to bring you out of a, of a world where perhaps there were other things such as drugs and alcohol, substance abuse. It can bring you out of that and bring you into this marvelous light. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He has brought us out of darkness into this marvelous light. Hallelujah. Let me tell you something about the, the individual that wants to stop all this. He, he's known by several titles and names. One of them is Lucifer. One of them is Satan. One of them is the great dragon. Uh, Beelzebub. He has all many kinds of names and titles. And he is identified as a murderer. All murderers get their impetus from this guy. And uh, he is the uh, father of liars. He is the instigator of every murder. Uh, his aim and his goal in his uh, very depraved life is to rob God of all joy that he can. He can't defeat God, but he can upset God. He can cause God to be sad by destroying you. Uh, every time that you as a younger person put that little uh, paper cloth wrapped around the, the nicotine weed and smoked it and it caused you anguish in years to come, he was happy because he turned you in to his weed slave. And of course, I don't have to tell you what's going on in the fentanyl epidemic uh, as people uh, are bringing it in uh, by the literal truckloads into the United States of America. Lives are being disrupted. Children are being destroyed. Parents are wailing uh, at the doorsteps of houses uh, because they're losing their children. This is the mass murderer, the original serial killer that has been launching a horrible, terrible onslaught of destruction on people from the beginning of time. Hallelujah. And when you look at what happened in the very first instance when the first two human beings met him, the Bible tells us that uh, he tempted them and uh, enticed 
them to partake of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But something very interesting happened after that happened. God confronted Adam and Eve and then made the decision to cause them to have to leave so that they would not partake of the tree of life. This church is named the tree of life and that they would not live forever. That's what it did. And then he set the angel with the flaming sword uh, at the entrance uh, so there would be no one to come and access the tree of life. Hallelujah. And yet the Bible says that at the very last days in the very finality of the ages of of mankind there will be uh, at, at the new earth and the entrance of the holy city there will be the tree of life at the river and the leaves of it will be for the healing of the nations <clears throat> but when those Roman centurions and those Roman soldiers took that precious body, laid it on that cross, pounded those nails into it. They were impaling the body of the Lamb of God on two cross sections of wood. Wood that made up the tree of life in a similar fashion. They took the wood of a tree and nailed him to it and those cross sections became the tree of life for the New Testament people of God and the church of the living God and the blood washed multitude hallelujah <laughs> oh, only, only this tree of life was going to change the pattern of the original tree of life uh, which would have enabled them in their flesh to live forever. And instead, it would take them and cause their souls to be saved, which in fact would sanctify their bodies, which would cause there to be a glorifying effect on their bodies and a holiness and a separation from the world. Hallelujah, so that they would be able to live forever with glorified bodies and the plan of God for eternal relationship and fellowship with his people would be restored. Now, I, I, I think you all realize that the Bible talks to us about things pertaining to our personal lives. For instance, uh, Paul wrote to us, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, so that everybody from the birth of the church has had a struggle in their flesh. Paul literally wrote entire books about the turmoil caused by your flesh and the war between your flesh and your spiritual life. Statements like, be not weary in well-doing. Your flesh gets tired in its service to God. I don't feel like going to church tonight. Get up and go to church anyway. It's a part of your faith. It's part of your faith. Another place he wrote that you should glorify God in your spirit, soul, and body. The body, the spirit, the heart, everything needs to be sanctified. And so I, I realize that in today's world, that uh, when, when we read something like this and it says, uh, present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, and be not conformed to this world, there are a lot of things in the world that want you to conform your flesh to the world. It's a, it's a, it's a trend of people, uh, amongst people and a pattern of people that wars against their spirituality. The world wants you to wear their hairstyles. The world wants you to wear their trinkets. 
The world wants you to wear their clothing. The world wants you to do what they do, and yet we are called to be separate. Hallelujah, to be separate. And I, I realize that living in a large metropolitan city like this, there are people that come to church in the middle of the week and you have to come from work and you don't have time to change into clothes uh, that are more in line with the first fruits of what the scripture teaches us to bring our very best to the Lord. But you need to try every chance you get to bring your very best before the Lord. Because if we are in his presence, I want the best that I have, the first fruits of what I have. Malachi produced a scalding statement of, of bringing those things into the presence of the Lord sacrifices that were torn uh, that were not the best and, and, and so it was a reminder to us we need to bring our very best into the house of God because his presence is there this is why this is why your body and your flesh will not go to heaven until it's glorified at the rapture by the glorifying process of the Holy Ghost God is not the God of the dead, but he is the God of the living. And when that trumpet sounds, your feet are going to come off this ground. Your flesh, even though it's sanctified, isn't good enough to be in the presence of God. So he's going to change it in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's something powerful about, about this legacy of life that we have from God. That's why the high priest, when he went into uh, the tabernacle ceremonial worship, uh, he had to be dressed with the finest from the top of his head to the sole of his feet uh, so it would cover his flesh so he would not be slain. Hallelujah. There's something about our carnal presentation of our bodies to God that that does not set well with God. And that's why we present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. Now, if you haven't noticed, ladies and gentlemen, in the last year, the word Armageddon and World War III has been spoken more times than it has the entire 20th century and 21st century combined. It, it, they're talking about it every day because it's approaching us. The book of Revelation's prophecies are getting ready to erupt, uh, not into just some little teaser event here and there, but into a full-scale worldwide events uh, of things uh, that only God can bring to pass. And right when that happens, this church is going up. I said, this church is going up. I said, this church is going up. This mortal will put on immortality. This corruptible will put on incorruption. We shall be changed. I'm I think, I think we can draw a very dynamic lesson from the, the terrible experience that many people had with this COVID epidemic that struck the world in the last couple years. There, there's, a, there, there's a spiritual COVID in which the devil inflicts people with a shortness of spiritual breath, praising Worshiping is your spiritual breath. Everybody take a deep breath right now in your lungs. You thank God for that little, that little, you know, moving upward of the diaphragm? Mm, feels good, doesn't it? It feels good. It feels a lot better than the opposite. And the, the devil is out to destroy people's desire to worship and praise God. The COVID, the COVID 
uh, virus struck into many people's lungs. It, it, in many cases, affected their hearts. Many people died from it. They lost that capacity of breath and lung function that affected also the heart. It's heartbreaking to see people die with that. But I'm looking at people that used to worship God. You used to get out in the aisle and dance, but you've let some little silly backslider and some little goofy naysayer affect your desire for God. Why would you let someone else who has nothing to do with your personal salvation, your personal salvation is one-to-one with God. It's soul-to-soul, heart-to-heart, one-to-one with God. You determine what happens to you and God. You determine your spiritual thermostat. You determine whether you're hot or cold. You can stay as hot, blazing hot as you want to. You can take to the aisles, whoo! and say, let those people that discourage me be gone. And I rebuke you, devil. I rebuke you, COVID giver. I rebuke you in the name of the Lord. I will worship him at all times. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. This is why it's frustrating to watch the good people in denominations stop at a repentance experience. Because if you take the sequence of the Acts 238 experience, it starts with repentance. You can't be saved without repenting, turning your back on the world. But God didn't, listen to this, God didn't leave us at that first step which represented, which represented spiritual death and physical death in a spiritual way so that we can live in God in a spiritual way. He didn't leave us at that altar weeping, crying, and and our physical man uh, dying out to his will and to his uh, great uh, his great plan for our life he didn't do that he said repent and then be baptized go down in the watery grave go down in the watery grave get all those sins down there I'm going to remove them by my blood and then ye shall rise to walk in the nearness of life Hallelujah. It's that sequence. And, and what it means is that death is swallowed up with life. Life swallows up death. The sanctifying power of the Holy Ghost and the blood that was shed at the tree of life on Golgotha will destroy the sin in your life. It will destroy the death in your life that would have taken you to a devil's hell. Hallelujah. It brought you to a tree of life where there is life evermore. Hallelujah. It's not the tree of life that God had to guard by getting rid of Adam and Eve and keeping everybody else out. It's a tree of life that will sanctify your soul and glorify your body at his coming. Hallelujah. So that you can live forever in the eternal presence of God. I don't know about you. That makes me want to shout with the voice of triumph. It makes me want to shout with the voice of praise. I was ministering in a service recently, and when we gave the altar call, a man, a a new visitor, it's been a long time since I'd seen this, a new visitor was sitting there, and he, he had come in at the invitation of somebody from the church, and as he came in, uh, and sat down and sat through the worship and heard the preaching. 
And just before we opened the altars, I watched him get up and he raised his hands. He, he didn't know to do this. He'd never been in a Pentecostal church before. He got up and he raised his hands and he was just shaking. Everything about him was shaking. And the Holy Ghost was all over him. He didn't know what was going on, but, but he was experiencing what they used to call the old time American revivalist people, the Quakers and the Shakers. Hallelujah. The Quakers and the Shakers. He was quaking and shaking under the powerful, direct hit of the Holy Ghost and fire. Friend, that thing is so powerful. You can't stay still. You can't keep your physical dignity. You can't keep your little personal dignified calm. It will set your feet to moving. It will turn you ever which way but loose. It'll lift your hands. It will bring you into an amazing encounter with life. Hallelujah. And he has that power to bring you into that if you will just avail yourself of it. Hallelujah. Let me tell you something, young people and older people as well. Don't look at other people and wait for them to move and, and wait until their little blessing splashes off on you. Let God hit you full head on. It's the one head on collision you want. Let the fullness of the glory of God absolutely come down hard on you. Bring you up on your feet into a newness and an expressiveness that only he can give. Oh, I'm going to just go be bold right now. How many, how many raise your hand and say at some point or another in your walk with God, when God filled you with the Holy Ghost, you shouted. Raise your hand. Now, you don't have to raise your hand now on this next question. How many has it been a long time since that happened? I'm going to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. This thing's getting ready to wind up. When the Bible says that God will reach up with his great fishing hook, his huge fishing hook, and draw Gog down from the north parts to disrupt the world and all of its peace and all of its performance. When it says that, it means that. We preach that for years, and we're watching it happen right now in front of our very eyes. Hallelujah. And the kings of the east are coming along with them, and you know who that is. And the Bible describes uh, uh, the, the, the metaphor or the figurative uh, symbol of America uh, being that, uh, that eagle that great eagle that represents America and, and uh, America's powerful role in the world. And, and that, that eagle and those people will clash someday. And there's going to be a powerful war. They'll call it World War III. Armageddon, according to the scriptures and the prophecies are later on. That war is going to destroy one-third of the world's population. Great Britain is known by its natural symbol as the lion. And Ezekiel caught, talked about the lion and all the young lions thereof, which came out from. If you'll notice... Great Britain, America, Canada, Australia, the eagle and her young, or excuse me, the lion and her young lion cubs are rising up against this great force coming down from the north and the kings from the east. 
Ezekiel and Daniel prophesied it just exactly the way we're seeing it happen. There's absolutely no difference between what they said and what we're watching. We're on a time course and a time frame and a collision with destiny. It's not time for you to nurse hurt feelings and cripple your spiritual vitality and robust experience with God. It's time to get up, stand up, lift up, rise up hallelujah raise your voice and declare that you are the people of God that you're looking for is coming that you're preparing for is coming and worship like he's coming tomorrow It's, it's, it's written, it's written, it's written. He's not the God of the dead. He's the God of the living. Hallelujah. He's the God of the living. The, the Bible, I don't know if you've ever noticed this before, but in John the 11th chapter, and uh, uh, perhaps you've read it, perhaps uh, you haven't, but the Bible says that Jesus said unto them plainly after that he begin to prepare to go to see about Lazarus, who he had been told had died. He said unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And the Bible then said that Thomas, which is called Didymus unto his fellow disciples, said let us also go that we may die with him. What kind of statement is that? This people here in this church, God bless you. You're, you're nursing grudges and living in the past on past wounds. That's your problem. You're stuck in the past. You need to disconnect from that dead past and those dead wounds. That's over with, gone. Those people that hurt you don't even know that you still feel the sting in the heart. Why should you worry about them or even give them one second thought? Put your eyes on the eastern sky. Lift up your heads for your redemption draweth nigh. Mm. Oh, and then when Jesus came, uh, Martha said, Jesus, if thou hadst been here, my brother would have not died. He wouldn't have died. And Jesus said, yes, but your brother shall rise again. Well, I know he's going to raise again somewhere in the future. He'll raise again at the resurrection. He said, no, no, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. Boy, I'm going to tell you something. When he strode over to that grave and called that name, that voice of God reached across the gulf of time and space, brought that soul of Lazarus right out of eternity back into the living. The Bible said he was still bound. Those grave clothes, hands, feet, struggling out there. He said, get those off of him. He's alive. Friend, that's what you looked like when you came in here bound by your cigarette addiction, bound by your lust, bound by all of the things that were in your flesh. Hallelujah. But God reached down, took off those bindings and those chains set you free. Tree of life. You need to live up to your name, tree of life. Hallelujah. Two cross sections of wood held the lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. Most powerful day in the history of the world 
flood and water gushed out of him. Hallelujah. When that happened and when the people gathered on the day of Pentecost, that blood united with the Spirit. Hallelujah. Like it did in the Holy of Holies. Only this time it was in the words of Peter. Hallelujah. With baptism of water, baptism of Holy Ghost and fire. Hallelujah. It's the tree of life. It's the tree of life. Hallelujah. It has come that you might be alive in him. The Thomas, if you'll come to the organ, please. Other musicians that would normally come. This church is looking at a powerful revival. In fact, as we speak, people are talking in sofas and recliners about the Tree of Life Church. I think we need to go over there. I think we need to try that church. I hear there's something fantastic going on. Oh, and by the way, so I heard something the other day. Somebody said, said something about the outbreak of the Holy Ghost at, at, the, at that Asbury College in Kentucky. Spreading, moving around. It's breaking out everywhere. The last days, saith Joel, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. In the last days, in the last days, in the last days, wars and rumors of war, in the last days, earthquakes in divers places, in the last day, the sea and the waves roaring, in the last days, in the last days, even the elect, even the elect shall be deceived. The last days, the last days. When you sit here tonight and in the days to come, you remember this. Do not borrow trouble from other people's situations. Bring you and yourself. It's, it's like this. Me, myself, and I. And you come to God. And when you do that, Pentecost happens all over again. for sister don't wait for sister Doris to jump up and start shouting don't wait for brother Ed to get out and run ah why don't you do it all right all right you know what's gonna happen if you're not moving now under the power of the Holy Ghost you're not gonna move upward when the trumpet sounds he's coming for a lively stones He's coming for a living people. He's coming for people that are alive by the power of his spirit. Hallelujah. Well, I'm redeemed. What do you what do you think makes us do that? Love divine. That's the Holy Ghost and fire. Glory, glory. Woo! Christ is mine. Oh, let's stand tonight. Oh, to him. That's it. Praise him back there. I now reside. That's it. Rejoice in him back oh, there. I have been, I have been redeemed. Oh, I'm redeemed. I love divine. Glory, glory. Christ is mine. For somebody that that you, you've not you've not really erupted, you've not really let the Lord bring a powerful infusion 
his life into your life. I'd like you to just get out into the aisle. You don't have to come down here. Just get out now. They say, Lord, pour on me the fullness. Just get out. Just get out now. Say, glory, glory. I'm telling you, I want more of him than I've ever had before.
you know he's able and you know he's willing and you know he's going to do it i want you to praise god because he's the god of the living come on praise him in advance praise him in advance If I never preach another sermon, I 
that will be happy just to praise his name. Hallelujah. He is holy. He is worthy. He's the mighty God. He's the everlasting Father. Come on, you can break through right now. What you need tonight is a breakthrough. What you need tonight is a breakthrough. situation was born beneath three pounds and was an absolute miracle survivor hallelujah an absolute miracle survivor and that was 
before the technology we have today, I'm going to tell you, God is a miracle working God. And if you have a need tonight, God can perform that miracle in Jesus' name. Give it to him in praise right now. Give it to him in praise right now. Stop worrying about it and start worshiping your way through. The offering that we give, I, I received a note, and I want to make clear, when I said we reached 148,000, I don't mean we had 148,000 come in. I meant we brought it down to 148,000 left to give. I thought y'all were worshiping pretty good. I, I was getting excited that you were getting excited, but we're going to get even more excited the more that it comes in. Praise God, and God's going to do it. You lift your hands and praise him for his mighty acts and according to his excellent greatness. Hallelujah. Some more have already given tonight in the name of Jesus. God bless you in the name of the Lord. If you want to keep on praying, keep on praying. If you need to go, you're welcome to go. God bless you in Jesus' name. Family prayer this Saturday at 9.30 a.m. Family prayer. Come praying for revival to hit Cincinnati like it's never come before. And let God use us to be a part of it. In Jesus' name, God bless you in the name of the Lord.